Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello to everyone tuning in. We're a Boston Celtics fan site that covers everything Celtics, from the latest rumor trade rumor to that other trade rumor to the Nets picks and how exactly Danny Ainge got his free Chipotle for life card. No one knows, honestly, and they better give us something for all this free advertising we're doing for them. The Midweek Pod covers all the same topics our site does, but in a more relaxed, in-depth perspective. The best part of it all is we're talking about this from a fan's point of view, and this week... For the midweek pod, we thought we would dive into something a little bit different. Um, it's going to be myself, Justin Quinn, and Luis Gonzalez. Uh, hi, Luis. Hey. <laughs> so, one of the things that's been driving at least me crazy, I'm not going to speak for Luis, but um, this, this tourney has been something of an enigma in terms of ousting people I really wanted to keep an eye on in terms of just getting a little bit more data. And now I'm looking at a bunch of guys who I'll be honest, I don't know that much about. We did some research today just to, to try to take a look at who is the best of the rest of the prospects who are still, still in the turning. I know Lewis, you have, you've been following Oregon a lot. So I'm going to defer to you completely on those guys. Anybody else that you've been uh, keeping an eye on so far? Just in jet. Well, like, like you just, you just exposed me. I am an Oregon fan. Um, but <laughs> in terms of, you know, players outside of the, the notable top five picks, I think some, one of the players who is really making a name for himself, especially after that Kansas performance, is Jordan Bell. I mean, this, this dude, if, if you had to, like, sort of cr- create a Celtic... Like, if you had a program that was called Create a Celtic, um, Jordan <laughs> Bell would be the result of that. This dude plays out of his mind. Um, he plays with that sort of Jay Crowder-esque tenacity. Um, blocking machine. He had seven blocks against Kansas. I'm pretty sure a lot of people saw that game. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, like, even if you like, didn't, I'm sure you saw the highlights. Yeah, I mean, this dude is a monster. Um, great rebounder. Um, for people that are fans of stat lines, he's averaging uh, 10.9, 8.6, 1.8, and 2.2 blocks per game. I mean, the 8.6 rebounds alone should make Celtics fans salivate a little bit. And he's the best rebounder um, left in the tournament by far. So um, I'm drinking I'm drinking the the Jordan Bell juice right now. I I would love to see him um, on the Celtics. Although if he puts up another performance like he did, or uh, puts up another performance like he had against Kansas this Saturday against North Carolina, I really think he's probably going to slide in into the top twenty. Maybe you think so because I mean, most mocks I've been seeing him at have him in the highest I've seen him is in is in the low twenties, like twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, if I remember right. And most most mocks I see him in have him coming in the early second round, which would be coincidentally, I should probably say. Um, none of these people we're we're going to be speaking about is obviously likely to come with the Brooklyn swap pick, which means we have the Minnesota pick, which is somewhere in the the, the high the high third the, the low thirties, um, and then the two late seconds that we have from the Clippers and from the Cavs, I think, yeah, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I mean, in my mind, I could actually see him. Being somebody we would we would love to grab with that with that Minnesota pick, but you're saying you don't think he's going to be available? I like I said, I mean his performance against Kansas, I think, is enough. I, I mean, you he didn't look like a 38 pick against Kansas, and this season he's been playing very very well. The problem with Oregon is that nobody watches them play because they are on the West Coast, and all of their games, I mean. Start at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. Start at 10 o'clock at night or 11. And it's just like, well, I live on the East Coast. I can't, I can't stay up for that. If he replicates that performance against North Carolina, I don't understand. I don't see how anybody passes up on him after the first round. So I might sound like a little bit of a homer right now, but there's nothing wrong with being a homer just as long as you take off the tinted glasses every now and then. The thing is with him is that, you know, you have players in the NBA that are, good shot blockers, but they may not be the most athletic players. Not only is he a good shot blocker, he's very, very, very athletic. He's 6'8", which is a little undersized for his position, but he moves around like he's 6'4". So I, this is why I, I, I'm a big fan of him. But besides him, I think I've been talking about him a little too much. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I think he's probably, of the people that we looked at, if any of them end up becoming potential Celtics, I'm not going to say any of them, any of them are going to become Celtics. But if any of them have a chance of of making the team and getting drafted by Boston, I would say he's the best. So I mean, like getting a little bit more information on him is not a bad thing. They no, do have Dylan Brooks, um, who is who's ranked just below him. Um, I tend to go to Givoni's uh, Draft Express. They seem to be the best overall um, player assessment mock draft type. Um, resource out there. Real GM is pretty good. Um, NBA draft.net is somebody else I take a look at, but they seem like they, they're getting kind of sloppier as time passes. Maybe it's just me. No offense to you guys. Um, it just seems like you guys have less information out there if you're listening. So 
We'd love some more. Um, but what do you know about Dylan Brooks? Dylan Brooks is a player that plays with, and and I hate this this saying, but he like really plays with his heart on his sleeve. Like he's another very tenacious player, um, which is why I think him and uh, Jordan Bell play so well together. But he has that, you know, that so-called killer instinct, very similar to um, Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter of this season. Actually, the problem with him is that at least when I've watched him play, he he tends to defer a lot to the well, later points in the game. So like Isaiah Thomas waiting for the fourth quarter to like kind of explode. Uh, Dylan Brooks kind of does the same thing in the second half of, of games, which is a little bit annoying. Um, you want to see somebody that's putting in 100% effort in the first end. Well, from quarter one to four in, his, in Dylan Brooks' case, the first and second half. But he's a good shooter. He... He's a good driver to the rim, that's for sure. He's shooting 42.7% from three this season, which which is pretty crazy. And that's not even the best mark on his team. I think Tyler Dorsey is shooting like in, he's like 60% in the tournament or something. This season, he's been a pretty much a matchup nightmare against NCAA teams that can't really contain him and his shooting and his uh, driving ability. He's also gotten better at his playmaking abilities. His passing has uh, been better. For stat lovers, he's averaging uh, 16.3, 3.1, and 2.8 assists per game. So, decent stat line. But like I said, he, he definitely has that killer instinct. Um, he can be a, a pretty good knockdown shooter. It's streaky, though, the ends of games. Yeah, yeah, a little streaky. But once he's, he's, the, he's like a rhythm shooter. So once he gets in a, you know, in a, in a rhythm, he'll start knocking him down. Um, and he has the ability to knock him down from pretty deep, too, um, similar to his teammate Tyler Dorsey. In terms of Celtics uh, fit, maybe. Uh, he kind of seems like one of those guys who really in the NBA kind of fits more. Like, I know he's kind of a combo forward, my, my limited yeah. knowledge of him. But I would say in the NBA, based on, on what, what I've seen so far, he's kind of more of a three in the NBA and it kind of seems like he might be somebody who could maybe maybe end up with one of the later picks I think in terms of where he would fit in draft drafting plans I don't know if he's gonna fit in in the team's plans though based on size because I, I kind of feel like he's a long shot based on the fact that he doesn't really have a real high upside and we're kind of stocked at his position. So it yeah. seems to me more like he's someone to keep an eye on, but unless he's willing to camp out in you know Europe or China for a season or two, it doesn't seem like he has too good of a shot. Yeah, I mean, I can see him doing the overseas thing for a season or two just to kind of fine tune or just you know just to play. But if an NBA team were to pick him, I can I can I don't know. It's hard to say. I can see him as an early early to mid second round guy. But again, it totally just depends on what. Oregon's tournament run, whether it comes to an end on Saturday or if they make it to the national championship game and win, uh, depending on his performance in either of those games. I don't know. He may he may help his cause or hurt his cause. But as it, as he stands right now, I, I see him as an early second, yeah, early to mid-second, depending on the team. Um, so he's a possibility for the Minnesota pick them. 
Maybe, but I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, Bell is the guy we'd rather have, but I mean, if he's not available and maybe, maybe the staff likes what they see, it's, it's not out of the question. Yeah. What about Gonzaga? Have you been following them? Kind of, sort of. They're another team. They, they, it's funny with them is that they, you know, they're like basically considered, I'm pretty sure they're still considered a a mid major. Um, so them bursting onto the scene this this season to have the, the one loss season that they had, pretty, Crazy. Um, this is the first Final Four, isn't it? I think so, yeah. So they obviously they're doing good things out there. Um, but I'm pretty sure the, the name that everybody knows is Nigel William Goss. He's uh, number 70 on Draft, Draft Express's uh, top 100 list. Seems kind of low, um, right? Yeah, that seems pretty low, um, especially considering how good the team is. And, I mean, his stat line is pretty good. He's uh, 16.7 points. 5.9 rebounds and 4.6 assists, which I would say is a pretty solid stat line. Yeah, um, and he's not small or anything, which is why I would think he'd be lower. But I mean, maybe it's just because there's so much, you know, point guard talent heavy near the top of the draft. But for yeah, me, I, I mean, mean, he's he's six feet four with a six six foot six inch wingspan for a point guard. Um, I mean, he's not he's not Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah, so not by a mile. Size. Yeah, or or skill, which isn't so great, but I mean, yeah. the stat line he's putting up in a, in a competitive conference is not bad. His free throw shooting could use some work, it's 72%, and his three-point shooting, it's 36% with some significant attempts. That That's a little worrying, considering the fact that the line's going to be further back and he's going to have a lot better defenders. But I mean, he's also, you know, he's got, he's got defensive ability as well. He's got some crafty hands. He gets a, a steal about... Per game, I like I that. Could, that. I could that's, definitely that's see him. That, what's that? Yeah, I, I like the I like the steal per game. That that's something that you know even you, and you say like one steal per game. So what? But there doesn't sound like a lot, that, but it's hard to do consistently. No, of course, exactly. So to do to do it at least once per game or to average it at least once per game, I think is pretty telling. He cares about defense. In my mind, he's someone that we would be looking at for the for one of the two late second round picks. Yeah. There's another um, guy on Gonzaga though, who's ranked much higher, but I, I really don't know very much about him other than what we scared up in terms of uh, scouting of our own today. Uh, Zach Collins. Yeah, this. I guess he he seems like the kind of guy that you need to have watched him all season to sort of appreciate what he does. Nine point nine points per game, five point six boards per game. The boards are pretty good. Point four assists. I mean, obviously that's not very good, but he's he is a power forward. But he seems to be able to stretch the floor, um, pretty well. That's what I remember him. Like I, I remember, you know, like I haven't watched any wire to wire Gonzaga games in the tourney, but when I have checked in and watched a little bit, like I, I've definitely caught him shooting the three. He seems a little slow. And he seems a little skinny also, uh, which to me, I mean, you could be a Kelly Olynyk, but I mean, speaking of Gonzaga. Yeah, right. But, I mean, how many, how many skinny guys who shoot well but can't defend the perimeter can you really afford to have on a team? Not many, especially with the direction that the NBA is going now. Yeah, so I personally, like, I'm actually kind of more surprised that Zach Collins is ranked above Williams Goss just because of the fact that while I do think that Collins could eventually work his way, I mean, he seems like a poor man's Kelly Olynyk more or less. Yeah, um, I think I think the reason maybe for his 
high, the, the, that high number there on Draft Express is that teams are sorely lacking in, in talented big men. The game is getting a lot smaller. So as soon as you see a big guy that can like kind of shoot pretty well and is a decent rebounder and can, can dole out a few assists per game, it's just like antennas up. It's, it's a pretty rare thing to see now in the NBA. So I think a lot of teams, even if, even if the guy is like halfway decent, as long as he can shoot a three or two per game, you know, his, his draft status is elevated tenfold as a result. Yeah, he seems like he's got a good post game also. Uh, he's got a little drop step that I've seen him pull off a couple of times. I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, I seem like I might be kind of down on him. And for the Celtics, I am, but I, I do think he, he might be a good addition to the right kind of team. I just don't think we're it. I mean, even if we let Kelly Olynyk go, I, I think like a worse version of him is not something that we particularly have a great need for, at least with, with the way things are developing. What about South Carolina? This is a team. That I just super really, random team. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if Cinderella is really the right word for them because they've been a really solid team in a solid conference. Um, they had some good regular season wins. Um, I didn't really see them. You know, they they were one of the first teams that really royally trashed my bracket when they kicked Duke out. Yeah, I think they I think they ruined most most of most of the brackets that were submitted. Well. Sindarius Thornwell is a big reason for that, and he's been having an amazing tourney. He's putting up oh, uh, 21 points roughly on the season, about seven boards too, which is you know kind of some Avery Bradley territory there. Yeah, uh, he plays the two, but I mean he's got he's got good ball handling skills and playmaking. Like he's he's an unselfish playmaker, so I mean he could fit into either either backcourt role. He's got decent size. He attacks, he attacks pretty well. He, he can change speeds. He's got good footwork and he's a solid shooter. He can, he can hit about 40% with, with significant attempts, um, from three, but he's kind of inconsistent and he's got some, he's got like a little janky kind of a, a spin release going on that I think is behind. So I mean, like with some, with some good coaching, I think he might turn out to be. At least a rotation player, maybe I would say from the you know I've, I only caught the the Duke game and a little bit here and there and some some uh, some clips that I checked out for him. Um, he doesn't look you know like anybody that I don't think he's going to get picked in the first round. I mean maybe if they make it into the title game that might catapult him catapult him up higher. But have you had a chance to see him at all? I honestly haven't outside of the tournament. Um, but it's funny that you bring up Avery Bradley because the if if there's any reason that he's going to be drafted, it's because of his um, his rebounding ability. Seven point two boards per game. That's pretty good for a shooting guard. I mean, that's better than some centers and some power forwards in the NBA game right now. And yeah. obviously, twenty two points is nothing to scoff at. So I I like the Avery Bradley comparison in terms of the rebounding. But yeah, I, I haven't seen him play too too much. Um, like I said, outside of the tournament, but if there's any reason that South Carolina is where they're at right now in the Final Four, it's probably because of him. And they also have P.J. Dozier, or Dozier, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, so please don't murder me out there if you're a South Carolina fan. He is also a fairly competent perimeter offensive player. He's been shooting over 40% on, on the season. He's also... Kind of inconsistent. He seems to go cold for really long stretches. 
I kind of feel like the fact that he's he's really kind of a player that in a lot of ways looks like Thornwell with worse rebounding and worse scoring. Um, I don't really think that he's, you know, I mean, we can keep an eye on him. He's probably going to be available in the range for the latter two picks we have in the second round, uh, which are currently projected to be in the 50s, the mid-50s or so. But I think there's probably a lot of other players, particularly European and foreign players, who might be a better fit. The other teams that we haven't talked about are the slightly more, I guess you could say, popular, <laughs> uh, well-known, yeah. well-known players for for Carolina, Justin Jackson and Tony Bradley. Now you are a fan of Justin Jackson, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. He read. I mean, don't don't get me wrong when I say this, but he reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant in terms of how long he is, um, and his shooting ability. So if, and I'll just go ahead and say this, if, if the Celtics had like a number 10 pick in the draft this season, I would probably pick him. Although at this really? point, I don't, I don't know if he's going to go after 10. He might be a, a 10 and like a one through 10 pick if he keeps playing the way that he is right now. He's pretty consistent, pretty good vision. Uh, like I said, he's pretty long, great shooting touch, great passer. I'm drinking the Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell juice and the Justin Jackson juice. So he is, for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar with him, uh, a lot shorter than Kevin Durant at 6'8", but he's got a 6'10", nearly 6'11", wingspan, so I can definitely see the comparison. Yeah, and they're both pretty skinny and lanky. Yeah, he rebounds pretty well, too, for his position. They have him playing a shooting guard. I could see him like another 6'8", wing guy, that we have on the roster now kind of being able to play at least the two and the three. Uh, do you think that he might even be able to stretch up to the four with that wingspan? Oh, definitely. I mean, six ten. he's, he's six, eight, but he might as well be six ten, six eleven. Yeah. Cause he, he logs almost, uh, he's logged almost three assists per game this season. So that seems like the kind of player who could definitely slot into a Brad Stevens offense, maybe something to keep an eye on if we, if we trade back and grab some extra picks. Yeah. I, if the Celtics pick him, Oh boy, I, I, I would love that pick. I, I see him fitting in pretty seamlessly, being able to stress the floor, somebody who can rebound, somebody who has a court vision that he does long. Obviously he may have to put on a little bit of weight, but, and he's a junior. You know, I, I tend to favor players that have been in school for at least two years because then they've been able to work on their games while in college as opposed to getting to the NBA and then having to work on their games then. So I am divided on that strategy. I personally feel like if you're a McDonald's All-American or, you know, like a, a top 50 recruit and you, and you stick around longer than a year, then that, that should – you know, make maybe people a little nervous for, for a variety of different reasons on why that can happen. But in this case, and in a lot of cases where guys weren't necessarily hugely ballyhooed recruits coming into college, uh, the fact that they can put in the work and transform themselves, I, I definitely agree. I, I think yeah. that that's a good sign. And it's also worth noting that um, Justin Jackson is the number one ranked junior um, on Draft Express. So that's a pretty big deal. 
So they have one more guy, um, Isaiah Hicks. I don't want to spend too much time on him, but he's technically a prospect. He's, he's, uh, I think currently number 91 on Draft Express's top 100. And he's putting up some decent numbers alongside Jackson. He is logging for the season 12.1 points for you stat lovers out there, 5.4 rebounds and 1.4 assists at a power forward, which is pretty interesting. He might be worth taking a flyer on with that, that Cleveland pick, um, depending on whether or not he's willing to become the new Zizic and Yabusele type for the Celtics. Um, he's a solid shooter um, from the floor, 59%, though I don't think he has much of a perimeter game, which is kind of a, a big knock. I don't know if there's too much more to say about him, but uh, we're going kind of long on time, and I just wanted to get your opinion on um, some basic selection near the top of the draft, since uh, since we can't really talk about the the draft selection of what we're going to do if the as, as some of you know, we currently have the best odds at the top pick, but we might not get it, depending on how the ping pong balls shake out. So I thought maybe you might be able to tell me your first, second, third, and fourth or later picks. And it can be all the same or, or, or however, um, depending on who you would select based on where the, the draft pick ends up actually falling. Because uh, I, 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 I'm trying to give the people who who don't necessarily want to talk about what we're going to do with the second round picks or the, the possibility of getting multiple picks by trading backwards, which I think is fascinating and actually my preference if we fall outside the top three. But I digress. I asked you first. Uh, I I got to stick with Markel Fultz. Um, I don't, I'm not digging Lonzo Ball. I don't, I don't see what everybody else sees. And I'm probably going to get killed for this, but I'm coming around to you, man. I'm coming around to it. I, I actually, I was, I was all aboard the ball train at the beginning of the season and was was well ensconced on it most of the, most of the collegiate basketball season. But between the drama with his dad, which isn't that big of a deal for me, and it shouldn't be, I think, um, the UCLA to Los Angeles kind of timeline that him and his family seem to have created. And yeah, the I'm situation, yeah. Um, I kind of just don't really like the way that he responded when he was was you know bounced from the tournament, and I don't know, like his shot bothers me. It's it's really weird, and his passing ability, which is always and size, have always intrigued me. He's a good defender, but just the I don't I don't see him as first. Yeah, his, so, I, I think every time I watch him play, I, I look at his shot and I'm just like, an NBA defender is going to take that shot away from him. It, it's easily, so right? There's, it, it's, yeah, pretty easily, I would say. He's so weird. It, there's like this weird hitch and, or like pause. and uh, No. And then Once you've got scouting on him, man, it's all over. And he's just going to be a distributor, which is fine. But do you really want to pick a distributor with like a, a top three pick even? Definitely not. This is why I like Markel Fultz. He's averaging more points per game. Pretty much the same stat line um, without all the weird shot baggage and like the family baggage. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to. I, gotta, I know we have a bunch of point guards on the team, but 
I think that Isaiah Thomas and Markel Fultz can coexist, and both Washington guys, I think they'll really, they'll, I think it'll be something pretty, pretty serious um, that other NBA teams have to, have to prepare for. And assuming, if Fultz isn't available. they give Markel Fultz the starting role. If Fultz isn't available, who do you pick? If Fultz is not available and I can't pick, Lon- I'm, well, I'm not picking Lonzo Ball. Um, probably Justin Jackson. So do you think, now here's the thing for me, I, I will stay very, very far away for the same reason I imagine Danny Ainge would. Um, the affidavit was released of that vandalism incident, which wasn't just vandalism, it was him terrorizing an, a teammate's uh, ex-girlfriend for something like an hour, if I remember right, kicking the car repeatedly, threatening yeah, to like beat her up. and it, Like, I understand he's a young guy, but that's, in my mind, that's just, like, unacceptable conduct. So, for me, I, I would have to pass on him. I'm I'm pretty much of the same mind as you with the first pick. I think that it's it's really just impossible not to pick Fultz. I have some questions about his shot as well, more about selection than mechanics. Yeah. Um, he's making them now. Um, I have less of a solid reason. You know, there's no hitch or anything like that. It just seems like you know, I, I I could easily be wrong about this, but I just have a bad feeling about the way that he chooses to shoot in some really tough situations that it might cause him problems later on, but he does look like he might have the skill set to adjust to that. Um, for me, after that, I, I don't know what to do because like Jackson, in terms of pure talent, would be the next most likely player on the board. He seems like he's got the most complete game apart from some streaky shooting issues that seem like that they have been resolved, though you know it's really not that much of a sample size even with a whole collegiate season under his belt. Um, for me, the one thing that I would like to do, and I already hinted at this earlier, is is trade back to either the Kings or if Philly ends up with two picks, depending on how the Lakers shake out. That would be a situation I would be open to, just because I have the biggest crush on Laurie Markkanen's shot. Not necessarily his whole game, because he could rebound more in his perimeter defenses, not as good as I would like. And I, I, I can't justify taking him. Like I think I would take Tatum with him. Um, probably for the number three spot, but anything lower than that, I think I would go for him. And I just can't justify taking a, a, a top, a top five pick who has problems defending where he, where his offense comes from and where he'll spend most of his time on the floor. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, we are about out of time. Thanks for y'all for listening. Um, I just want to remind you guys, make sure that you uh, rate it five stars if you like what you hear. And if you have any kind of a comment or suggestion on what we could do better, definitely work it into, you know, you can either hit us up with an email and get us on Twitter, uh, either through our accounts or through Celtics Life Pod um, as a hashtag. And you can find it, uh, this pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, SoundCloud, and MixCloud. And make sure you check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com also. Uh, we have a, a, a big variety of shirts and hoodies, and you can even get tickets under the, the, the heading that is, you know, really difficult to remember tickets. Um, that's all I have. Uh, you have anything you're working on, Lewis, that you maybe want to talk about or anything else you want to say? I'm, I'm, I can't wait for Saturday. Hopefully Oregon can win, and hopefully uh, Jordan Bell can 
you know, improve his draft, his draft status. Well, I'll be keeping my eye on him as well. Um, thanks for y'all for tuning in. Take care, Lewis. Thanks, guys. Later. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.